0: Welcome to the Odds Checker Premier League preview. I am your host, George Eddick, and I'm joined by two guys who know everything there is to know ahead of this Premier League season. Firstly, Adam Newson from uh, Football Whispers. Good to have you here, Adam. Thank you for having me. And Tottenham fans, don't get too excited. This isn't the Dan Levy that you've tuned in to hope to see, but it's Dan Levy from Smarket. It's good to see you, Dan. It's the other one, though. The other to one. See. The other one. An what, Arsenal fan, no less. Or as you said, off. Oh, I'm going to embarrass you, you said Dan Romaney, I think which <laughs> I a joke. I think you've maybe told one too many times now, but uh, one or two. You still laughed. <laughs> I did laugh, and I'm laughing now. Um, Firstly, before we get into the, the nitty-gritty, I'll give you guys both a chance while you're here to um, maybe promote your employers a bit. So, Adam, coming to you first, just tell us a bit about Football Whispers, um, what people can expect from you guys and why they should take a, take an interest in what you're doing.
1: So, what we do is we basically try and make stats in football, which can become very, very complicated depending on what level you go to. We go to quite a deep level and the aim is to try and make all that data that, you, that clubs use and uh, sort of opt to use. Uh, We take all that data and we try and make it easy to understand for for the casual football fan in quite a digestible way. And hopefully today I'll be sort of throwing out a few stats for you guys that that will help people who are betting as well, uh, as well as just the casual football fan who wants to know that a little bit more about their their club.
0: I get very frustrated when people seem to hear the word stats and turn off straight away, because I think there's a... Maybe people sometimes don't understand exactly what they mean. They hear XG and they panic, whereas actually maybe without realising you talk about it the whole time
1: I would say I was probably one of those people who would not dismiss stats entirely but think people could get bogged down in them a little bit too much but I do think uh, having worked for Football now for, for a year and a half that there's a, a good place for it in, in the football discussion and the more you sort of learn about it the more you can see trends and, and certain things that you can then see on the pitch as well
0: which is especially important for betting and finding value. Something, Dan, you know all about. Um, tell us a bit about SmartKits. I know there's maybe a, an offer or two that you can tell listeners and watchers.
2: Yeah, so SmartKits is a betting exchange. We've been around for about 10 years. Um, kind of The company really kind of took off around the last World Cup in 2014, or the, the one before, I should say, now. Um, so we have a flat 2% commission across all our sports. Um, football and horse racing are really our biggest sports. I think, you know, really worth checking our exchange out because uh, we have... A, Brand new app, which looks absolutely beautiful, fantastic user interface, and great design as well. So uh, yeah, a betting exchange that uh, people can check out. And as I said, or you said, uh, we have a, a Premier League choose your team offer. So I just wanted to give that little plug. Uh, it's going to be coming out. I think it's live now. I think it's going to be on Oddschecker. In fact, on Thursday, transfer deadline day. Uh, basically, it's fifty pounds. So it's more like five by ten. So it's ten pounds in refunded losses on your, ne- your team's next five Premier League games. So what happens is you sign up, you choose a team, any team you like, and then we refund losses uh, up to £10 on each of the next five Premier League games. So pretty simple, you could deposit 10 quid, you bet, um, if you lose that bet, you've still got 10 quid in your account as withdrawable cash. And just to be clear as well, it's not credit, it's not free bet, it is refunding your losses, your cash is back in your account uh, for the next or the first five Premier League games for your team after you sign up.
0: Sounds like an absolute no-brainer to me. For anyone who doesn't have a Smarkets account or doesn't really know much about it or, or know much about exchange betting, if you go on to, to the Smarkets site or um, on Thursday, go on the Checker site, you should see it there. Um, and you'll see Smarkets' prices all on the Checker grids as well. As ever, I can only implore you to make sure you check our grids to make sure you're getting the best price for your bet, make sure you're winning the most. And you can also place your bets through our, our site as well. So... That's all the um, the plugging we have to do now. We can get into the uh, the, the, the nitty gritty. I'll be plugging it. throughout. Trust okay. me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So, will I. I mean, just a battle. Um, and we're going to start at the top and look at the um, uh, look at the, the Premier League winner market. Um, going through the top six in the betting, the only six that people I think really are expecting to, to cause much trouble here. Manchester City are the seven to ten favourites. Odds on favourites, unsurprisingly, after last season. Liverpool four to one. And then Manchester United 12 to 1, Chelsea 20 to 1, Tottenham 20 to 1, Arsenal 25 to 1, 300 to 1 bar. These are obviously the best prices on offer on odds checker. Uh, Manchester City 1.7 with Smart, it's the favourites, but 5.2 they are um, on Liverpool, which is a touch bigger than any of the fixed odds um, sites on, the, on, on our site. So, Man City odds on favourites. Adam coming to you first. Is that fair enough? Is this going to be a procession, or are there teams out there who can trouble them?
1: Uh, I think it's completely fair, and whilst I don't think they'll probably win the title by 19 points this year, I can't see anyone beating them, to be honest. I think maybe Pep Guardiola hasn't got exactly what he wanted this summer. I think he's made it clear he wants another midfielder to give Fernandinho a break, who that other midfielder will be, who knows, we might find out tomorrow on deadline day. But you look across their team and there's no real weakness, and... With the addition of Riyad Mahrez, it also give people like Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sane the chance to maybe have a weekend off, um, which makes them even that more dangerous when they do come back. So I can't see anyone beating them. Um, they've looked uh, they look very good in the community shield. I thought Phil Foden did very well in that game as well, which is another option for them, just to add to the countless <laughs> field options. One, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I can't really see anyone stopping them this season. Dan? Say the same for you? you? Yeah, I
2: mean, do you want me to make the case for Liverpool? No, Uh, (laughs) only if you believe in it. Um, I mean, I think, you know, City look like the most formidable side, clearly and comfortably. Um, You know, 100 points last season, I don't think they'll repeat that. Um, You know, 32 wins, which I think is also a pretty remarkable number as well. Um, Mara seems like a very astute signing, the kind of signing that you make when you're going to go and win the league again. Uh, You know, a guy who they didn't really need, but will probably prove useful throughout the season. There's an argument he made that, yeah, the weakness is perhaps. Um, Adam touched on it, you know, very reliant on Fernandinho. I think he's 33, so he's kind of getting on a bit. Phil Foden might be the guy who steps in from time to time to help out. Uh, he's looked very, very good in pre-season. He looks very good, I thought, uh, even when he played last season at times. He's about half the age of Fernandinho, but, you know, apparently the real deal from the people who watch him closely. Um, if I were to make a sort of counter-argument, you know, you might say that Liverpool have strengthened extremely well. Uh, some really big signings. They've really gone out and bought, I think, the players they need. Uh, and that's something that, you know, a lot of teams, much the frustration of their fans, don't do. Um, but, you know, I think City look absolutely formidable. And also, they've got the best coach by by some distance. And also, they've got a really young team still. You know, all the all the players that they rely on, so many of them are still under 25. Sane, uh, Sterling, Stones, Jesus. You know, these are young players, so they should be fit and they should be ready to go again.
0: But the one question I would ask, I mean, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not going to be backing them at, at 1.7, but... I do think that they're justifiable favourites. But my one concern with them would be that having won the league last year, knowing that Pep Guardiola probably isn't going to be building an empire there for that long. He's probably going to come to the end of a cycle in the next couple of years. Is there a chance that the Champions League takes priority and therefore the players like Mahrez, players like Bernardo, who maybe didn't get as much game time in the Premier League last season, will be used more there to rest players for the Champions League campaign?
1: Potentially, but I don't think if you're playing Mares and Bernardo Silva you're going to be weakened at all. I think after the weekend Bernardo Silva I thought was absolutely outstanding playing in a more central role, which to be honest I think he should be playing more regularly and I'm sure he probably will be playing regularly when David Silva moves on uh, or retires at whatever point. But um, I can't see the Champions League, I think City's squad is good enough that they could conceivably win the Premier League playing sort of three players who then don't play in the Champions League the following week anyway. So I don't think the Champions League will be a distraction. I can see them winning the Premier League comfortably and probably improving on where they got Champions League last season.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, you know, they have the score depth to go far. I think these players have experienced basically all of them have just won a title and uh, you know went pretty far in the Champions League last time. The only thing you could say perhaps in Liverpool's favour is, you know, they beat City three times yeah. last season, although two of them in the Champions League. Um, they finished twenty five points behind. Can they make up that kind of difference? I think City won't finish on 100 points, as I said, but you know they're probably not going to make up 18 points on City. City could still finish in the in the low 90s very comfortably. Um, one stat that does go against them: no one's retained the title since 2009, when United won it three times in a row. But I think City will do it. Sure. It's a
1: it's a strange one with Liverpool because you would probably you wouldn't be afraid to back them to beat Manchester City in a one-off game. Yeah. And Liverpool obviously proved that three times last year. But would you back Liverpool to to out Score them and then claim more points over the 38 game season, perhaps not, even though they have made really good signings. There, there right. might
2: be good value in the price, though. I think the price is yeah. quite good for Liverpool, especially because, you know, as I said, they've got exactly what they needed. They brought in Alisson, who looks fantastic, uh, Nabi Keita, uh, you've got as well Fabinho, kind of exactly the kind of players that Klopps needed for that system. And I think Shikiri's not a bad signing as well.
0: I mean, it seems like we all agree that Liverpool are, are the main challenges, I think, and the market it seems to agree as well. You can see on Smart a site they have a graphs that show how the price has changed over time, and, and Liverpool and United very close behind City for a long time, and that has obviously peeled off, and Liverpool now the clear second favourites. Um, I would agree with you in what you're saying that you wouldn't, you'd probably back them in a one-off game, but often Liverpool drop points our season against teams that sat back and defended, and surely players like Naby Keita, especially. being brought in to break through that line and, and give them a bit more dynamism and a bit more of a direct threat against teams that sit deep so for that reason could we see them I mean it's a big old gap to make up but Liverpool were very decent in the second half of last season Maybe I'm just trying to make an argument here so we're not all disagreeing about this Well, you you, you know,
2: you could argue that, I mean, they might have won the Champions League if it wasn't for Karras's errors, and they've gone and bought one of the best keepers in the world. They've also bought two midfielders who will give them the kind of platform they need to let the the front guys go and do their business, and they certainly did that last season, of course. You know, the forward line was absolutely amazing. I think they were top scorers in the Champions League. Uh, Probably not top scorers in the Premier League, can't remember off the top of my head, but, you know, they've got a formidable side, and it's actually, you know... uh, Really, really interesting to see what Klopp's put together there. I think he's kind of gone and bought exactly the players they need. And he's talking in a very bullish way. Uh, but whether it's enough to topple City, city I mean, you know, in a way it's a bit unlucky for Liverpool because they're just up against probably the best Premier League side ever.
1: I'm, I'm really excited to watch Liverpool this year. I mean, the players they brought in, like Naby Keita, Fabinho, uh, mm-hmm. Alisson, were exactly what they needed. And I think Naby is their game-changing player yeah. a bit in that midfield because he can literally do pretty much everything. I mean, he wins the ball back and it's not like he is literally a destroyer. He will win the ball back and then go past three players and then tee up a goal. So he's a great signing for them. Um, I think it's credit to Klopp as well because I think in the past he's been a bit stubborn in sticking with players who perhaps haven't been as good as as Liverpool needed, but he had faith in, like Karius. But he's realised that, you know, to, to really challenge City, he has to put that personal feeling probably to the side and really go out and buy who they need and he's done that and it will be great to watch them I just don't think they have just enough yet to, to overcome City
0: it, it, Yeah I mean I was about to say if that 7 or 10 on City does seem a bit skinny to you but you do agree that City and Liverpool are the challenges 7 or 2 is the price um, the best price out there on a Manchester City uh, Liverpool 1-2 which, which looks fair value
2: Yeah it looks pretty good and uh, you know I think it was 5.2 you said it, mm. Liverpool on some markets I, I still think there is some value in that but you know I, if you ask me who I think is going to win the title I do think it's City
0: Interesting one with an exchange for those of you who don't know. Um, you can obviously get out of your bet when the, when the price goes shorter, so maybe yeah. it could be one to trade if it is going to be those exactly. two at the top. And um, you'd think Liverpool will go shorter than 5.2 as the season wears on. Time for us to move on now, on to the top four market. I think, as I've mentioned, we all agree who the top two are going to be, but that leaves only two spots for Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham, and Arsenal to go out. Uh, United, the best price four to seven, Chelsea, four to five, Tottenham, five to six, and Arsenal. Uh, 11 to 5 so it's looking like well in, in terms of the odds it's the same top 4 as last time round dan do you think that's fair um, i'm not going to expose both of you both for what teams you both support but i'll let the listeners and watchers decide
2: well, I'm probably going to do that. Um, I mean, I think uh, I think Chelsea are quite interesting. The, the man sitting to my right, by pure coincidence, happens to be a big Chelsea expert, but I won't tell you why. Um, but, you know, Chelsea are really interesting because they look like the hardest team to read. So, you know, obviously there's been kind of this slightly farcical situation at the start of the season where Conte was taking training, but he wasn't going to stick around. You know, there's a question of whether it will take time for Sarabal to kind of to work out. Um, breaking news today is that they're basically going to sign Kepa, Ariza Balaga, the... Um, Athletic it's goalkeeper. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I think Azar's going to stay, right? So that, that's probably a big bonus for them. Where he'll play, I don't know. They have the question of up front will it be Morata Juru? Maybe you play Azar as a, a force nine. Um, there are so many questions. I think Rugino's probably the right signing for them. Still got Kante. He's obviously, you know, any team that has Kante, right, has a, has a pretty solid midfield. Um, but I just think there are so many variables with Chelsea and they're the kind of hardest to, to really know where they'll go. Um, you know, I am an Arsenal fan. Obviously, we've had a, like, a, a summer of turmoil and change really quite a lot going Mm on Um, I think we've made some quite sensible Arsenal made some quite sensible signings Torreira is probably the kind of player that Arsenal needed Um, they've made some fairly sort of astute additions at the back for not much money but you know whether they've really made the kind of signings that they need to go into the top four and whether the club will react properly to the change remains to be seen, but you know, they're certainly putting out a lot of content on the Arsenal, various Arsenal media platforms, showing just kind of what a great time all the players are having doing all the hard work that yeah. Emery's asking them to do. And you know, that could go a long way. I think they're probably probably a decent shout for the top four, but perhaps I'm a bit biased.
0: As an Arsenal fan, are you happy with, with, with Emery coming? Are you happy with how season has gone? Do you feel like you're in, a, you're in a better position to go and challenge that top four now than you were a year ago?
2: I think so. Um you know I think the signings have been quite good. Obviously Burnt Leno has come in from Leverkusen. You know, I used to commentate the Bundesliga a few years ago and he was kind of coming through when I was doing that as, as a young player and he looked fantastic, it seems like. He hasn't really developed quite as you'd have hoped. Mm. So the question there is, will he be number one or Cech? Looks like Ospina will probably leave. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not really convinced that Laino is going to necessarily be a huge improvement on Czech or Ospina. Uh, that could make a big difference if he is. And then the defence, I think Arsenal do look a little bit short at centre-back, actually. Um, so Kratos per has come in. You know, he's kind of at an age where he's going to convey a lot of experience to the players around him, but him and Mustafi probably isn't exactly the kind of centre-back pairing that we're looking for. Um, but I think up front, you know, there's a lot to be said. We'll talk about the top goal scorer market, but I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of Aubameyang. I think there's a lot to be said about Arsenal's front line. Um, and then there's this slightly weird situation as well with the CEO even Gazidis, there's been sort of all these transfer rumours about him yeah. going to AC Milan you know, will that disrupt things, is it disrupting things at the moment who knows, and then obviously as well um, people might have seen, you know, Kroenke, Stan Kroenke KSE, basically Kroenke Sports Enterprises is, is going to make a full takeover of the club it looks like, which, you know, who knows what that will bring it could be a quite disruptive situation but the players on the pitch and on the training pitch look to be getting on really well the tactics have been tweaked, you could see it in the preseason games you know, they're pressing in a way that they weren't before um, they're really kind of clustering around when they lose the ball like counter-pressing clustering around the opposition and that that was kind of what people thought Arsenal needed and it does look like it's there so I, I do feel confident about top four finish but you know fifth wouldn't surprise me either but maybe good value in the top four for Arsenal
0: Well both Arsenal and Chelsea um, seem a lot of uncertainty around uh, Chelsea if you do want about Chelsea for the, for the top four markets' price um, currently 1.85 to back and money queuing at 1.9 is bigger than the, than the industry uh, starting price so or the industry price at the moment so you should look at that if you're going to bat them. Um, it's not like, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty with Chelsea and Arsenal, Adam, mm-hmm. but it's not like there's a lot of certainty at Manchester United or Spurs either.
1: No, I think Manchester United is, is I mean, contrary to you, probably the hardest one to read just because Jose Mourinho seems intent on annoying and uh, irritating his players again. Uh, he's at that point where he's in his third season and obviously we know the wheels tend to come off in that third season, whether or not it will this year remains to be seen, but well, the points are made—he normally wins in his first competitions. Yeah, exactly, and, that's and, why and it it's it's a strange happened. it's a strange tact he's taken this summer where he has pretty much gone at anyone who's who's spoken to him. I think he's had a right go at the younger players uh, on the preseason tour, saying they're not good enough, which was hardly what you want to hear when you're trying to break through yeah. at Manchester United. He's obviously criticised Ed Woodward quite a lot for not getting the players he wanted, and. Whilst there obviously is something in that, because Manchester United make a hell of a lot of money and they have only signed Fred and Diego Delot and Lee Grant. Um, <laughs>
0: Don't forget Grant.
1: Don't um, forget, So there is perhaps an element of, of, you know, he's got a point to what he is complaining about, but the, the general negativity he's curating in that, in that dressing room can't be good for the team and for people like Anthony Martial when you, you, you go home to have just, you know... birth of your second child and your manager basically called you out for doing so it's a bit of a ludicrous situation to be involved in so yeah Manchester United is is impossible to read Um, Spurs Spurs I would probably back to getting the top four ahead of Arsenal and Chelsea largely because I think they're very settled they've got a manager who knows exactly what he wants from his players they've got players who know exactly what the manager wants from them the fact that they've got quite a few returning late from the World Cup is probably an issue um But then the same tact on that is they've got a group of players who can return and know exactly what tactical plan the manager has for them already. So I think Spurs will probably get into the top four. And then it's probably one of three, I would say, between Chelsea, Arsenal and United for fourth.
0: Who who are you hanging your hat on for the fourth one? I need an answer.
1: I will go with Manchester United. Interesting. I think
2: United are more likely to drop out of the top four than Spurs, personally. I think they're little bit of a basket, pace, basket case, rather, in you know, relative terms, obviously, for such a big club. Uh, as Adam said, you know, it's sort of slightly chaotic, kind of uninspiring signings. Uh, Fridge, I believe, is, is a pretty good one, but um, beyond that, well, it's um, Dolot, isn't it, who have yeah. signed as well. You know, might not really be what they, what they need to kind of kick on. Maybe Alexis Sanchez finally getting a rest over the summer, I think yeah. it's the first <laughs> time in about five years, you know, could, could really make the difference to them, but... You know, I think that they, they could struggle. Mourinho just looks tetchy, looks like he's in a bad place, and that probably means that United will be. Spurs, I think, are really interesting just because you know, as Adam said, a lot of their players are going to come back late. Haven't really, I think, they've made no signings. They're mm-hmm. only on the top flight side who've made zero signings. Looks like Alderweireld as well might go to United, which would be a huge blow for them. Although Spurs have made two big signings this summer, of course, the you know Pochettino signing on long term and Harry Kane as well, but. You know, Kane you know, famously never scores in August, right? You know, they're probably going to be a bit tired. I think their new stadium won't be ready. So it could be some value in perhaps waiting to see Spurs' price drift and then, and then get in on them because uh, it look, looks like they might start a bit slow. So who would be your four? Uh, Liverpool, City, Tottenham, and I'm going to be bullish and say Arsenal.
0: There you have it. If you do want to, uh, want to back United not to finish in the top four, that market is on our site and nine to four is available. Seven to four elsewhere. 9 to 4 is the biggest price. And uh, if you share the positivity with Dan about Arsenal, 11 to 5 best price they are. And as I said, Chelsea is better on its markets than anywhere else um, at 1.85 currently to back. So we've covered the top six. Um, this is where half the people turn off, but we're going to crack on through, <laughs> through the league. And, um, and top next goal out, scorer to come. That's top example. goal scorer is always an exciting one. So don't turn off yet because there is going to be talk about your Harry Canes, your, um, your Ashley Barneses. Um, but we're, gonna, we're now going to look at, at that clutch of teams who are vying to get into the big six. Um, firstly, I mean, we, we'll, I'll go through the without big six market first and then we'll talk about the top 10 market. And then even if we can expect any of these teams to actually crash the party. Um, Everton are two to one, Leicester five to one, Wolves six to one, West Ham seven to one, Southampton ten to one. It's a pretty open market this um, for teams who to finish seventh, basically, or just to finish the highest of the teams outside the top six. Adam, who do you, who do you think is, is best set to, or, or is the closest in terms of quality to be being, being able to do that?
1: I would probably go for Everton, which is hardly that shocking, but I think they were really poor last year, and. Um, uh, with a group of players that they should have done a lot better with and Marco Silva is uh, for all his potential faults in terms of loyalty and, and things like that he's a good coach and they do have a good first 11 um, I think the signing of Richarlison is really interesting uh, it's a hell of a lot of money they paid for him um, but I think the start of last season when he was happy and playing under Silva he was very, very good, uh, even though he did miss a hell of a lot of chances then. <laughs> uh, so I think he's an interesting signing. I think the fact Adam ola Luckman's back and Sir Silva said he's going to incorporate him is is interesting. Back at the moment,
0: I still have a feeling Leipzig might still be trying to, to force something through, but we'll see.
1: But I think they've, they've, they've brought in players like Lucas Digne, who is an interesting player and is probably the heir to Baines at left-back. So I think they've got a very good starting eleven. Um, be interesting how Cenk Tosin does this season because I'm assuming he'll be the main man um, and if everything clicks I think they'll be comfortably seventh this year. And
0: obviously judging by the World Cup which which we should never do, Yeri um, Mina should be in for at least 15 goals from corners um, <laughs> if he does make the move so that'll be exciting to see. Uh, Dan do you agree Everton the, the clear favourites there?
2: Yeah they're, they're an interesting one Everton because um, I mean I do think mm. they've Put some quite good, uh, well, put a quite good side together and made some quite good signings over the last sort of year or so. I think you know, was Walcott's there, of course. Cenk Tozan, as uh, Adam said, Luca Dean's a, a very good player with great pedigree. Uh, Barcelona and Paris Saint Germain, but um, I find the Richardson signing quite weird. I mean, is he you know, it was a big, big fee. He's looked very dangerous at times, undeniably, as Adam said. You know, there were times where he just he I remember against Arsenal, you know, he was just such a, such a handful. But one of those players who I think is quite inconsistent, if his head's not right, he's perhaps not kind of guy you want to uh, rely on and it's a huge amount of money I mean this is obviously the opinion of somebody you know doesn't watch didn't watch Watford every week and so I don't necessarily know if he's putting in the graft in those other games where I didn't see him but I think that's a that's a pretty hefty fee one slightly interesting point is that you know the former partner of uh, Alish Rosemov the man who uh, former business partner or one of his business partners um, uh, basically, Alish Ruzumov is selling his shares in Arsenal. Okay. Uh, he's getting rid of them, and there's been a lot of talk about him taking over fully at Everton to join okay. his former business partner there. Now, that has been—I think the BBC reported that wouldn't happen—but if it if it did, I mean, this guy has, you know, billions and billions to spend. Um, supposedly, was richer than Abr- Ra- richer than Roman Abramovich. So, you know, Everton could be starting to build into something of a financial powerhouse. Uh, that's probably not one for this season, but perhaps a, a situation to watch. But, uh, yeah, I think Everton obviously do look like the, the top side there, but I'd, I'd say Fulham are a, a decent shout in terms of value. I mean, they've made some amazing signings. Um, obviously, a side who's just come up, but they've they've really brought in, uh, I think, some quality players and, and bought extremely well. And, of course, uh, just got big Callum Chambers on Well, I was as about well. to
0: say they were cut from 40s <laughs> into 33s in this market, obviously on the back of the Chambers signing, I think. That's right. Um, yeah. It must be. But, no, I mean, I agree with you. Um, as, as someone who, who loves his EFL football, um, you, know, you talk; people seem to be pretty perplexed at the price of Wolves to do well. They're six to one here, but but I, I think this Wolves, the Wolves this Wolves team has a ceiling that maybe might um, see people's expectations. It, it, it could not work, but I think that six to one, if it does click and does go to plan, could look really, really big indeed. Because I do think that, given the people who are in charge of the club, given the quality of the manager and Nuno, mm-hmm. who I think is arguably one of the Premier League's elite in terms of what he's done already in the game, um, in a kind of a different respect in terms of performing above expectation, uh, and the. Transfers they've made this summer and the quality they've already got. Um, I am gonna say that I think Wolves at six to one is very interesting indeed. And also, we're now gonna look at the top half market and that eleven to ten. The um, on Wolves to finish in the top half is one that I think is mm. um, massive, basically. I mean, I know they might be playing for three spots, but realistically, that's the minimum aim for the, for the owners and the manager this season. So
2: I think I agree with you on Wolves for the top half. I mm. think they're a great shot for that. They've made some really good signings too. I think they got Rio Patricio, didn't they? Yeah, Patricio, well? so,
0: Dramatino. Dramatino is um, a fantastic player. Very very I think. In yeah. a good team, we'll, we'll, we'll do we'll do bits. I think I
2: think they they do have a really really solid chance of reaching the top half. Them and Fulham, I, I think as well. And also people will underestimate promoted sides just because they have come up. I, I wouldn't say that Wolves and Fulham look like Championship teams now at all.
1: No, no, no I'd, I'd agree. I think Fulham have a group of excellent players and they've signed really really well. Um, I think they've got a manager who will coach a top team one day, and Slavić Uh I used to cover Watford and I got to know him quite well and. Whilst he may sound quite dour in interviews, he's actually a very, very bright coach and has proven it with Fulham. He proved it with Watford as well during his time there, getting them up. Um,
0: how was he not able to, to manage that team in the Premier League I'll never know I mean that, that run they went on to get promoted was extraordinary yeah, and then
1: it depends who you speak to about what went wrong with okay. those contract negotiations okay, we'll speak after after <laughs> off, off, off camera I think but I think uh, yeah their team's great I've got, obviously keeping Tom Kearney's big Ryan on will be fascinating to see how he gets on in the Premier League and then they've got Alexander Mitrovic who will I'm sure be waiting to prove a point to, to Rafa Benitez um, after he left Newcastle and
2: Sarri as well. I mean, Sarri's Sarri a guy as who well. know, he was linked to Arsenal, Barcelona well, about I mean, a year Arsenal ago. I mean, Arsenal fans were desperate for him. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he was linked with Barcelona as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 12 months
1: know. ago. Yeah, I think it was, he thought it was pretty much done really, on, yeah. on his part. And you never know if it's paper talk, but it sounds like mm-hmm.
2: there was a lot going on there. I mean, I think he's a fantastic signing. Andre Schürrle, I mean, he's a yeah. guy who scored, you know, World Cup semi-final. Okay, mm-hmm. but, you know, won the World Cup with Germany um, only four years ago. And I always thought looked a really, really dangerous player. He's been playing in the Bundesliga and he's going to come back. Here and I think you know he's, a, he's an excellent signing for a team like Fulham. It's a two-year loan, I believe. Yeah, is,
0: and he's, he's an age as well. I think he's in his kind of early mid oh, mid to late twenties. Yeah. so he's by no means well, he shouldn't be over the hill anyway. You wouldn't have thought. Yeah, twenty-seven years old. And it's not like Charlotte. it's not like
2: they're banking on one key signing no, no, as well. No. They've gone and brought a kind of a, a breadth of players who will cover a lot of positions. And you know I think I think they look like a, a really mm. solid shout for the top half.
1: And just on Wolves as well, I think. See, we touched on them. I'm really interested to see how Ruben Neves does yeah. in the Premier League. I think he was, not to disrespect all fans, brought in to get them up and then to shine in the Premier League and then potentially go for a very, very big fee. And just on uh, Dama Traore, it's taken a while, but I'm going to get some stats in now. Yes. Um, <laughs> last season of Championship, 9.66 take-ons per 90, which the next highest was 4.56. Wow. So wow. give him the ball and let him run.
0: I'd like to see a match bet next season of, of uh, take-ons per 90 between Hazard and Traore. I'd like yeah, to see that. <laughs> Very the, close, the, I'd the, imagine. The take-on kings against each other. Um, yeah, I, I agree on Fulham. Um, I think for people watching this who are a bit, a bit surprised by our lofty ambitions for them, I think it's worth pointing out that both owners of, of Fulham and, and Wolves have far, far higher ambitions in the long term than being just a, an also-round Premier League team. They have ambitions to get into Europe. Let's not forget that obviously that Fulham were... Yeah, well, Europa League finalists um, just just a few years ago. Uh, it makes me sound a bit old saying a few years mm. ago, but, uh, but <laughs> indeed they've got they've got that pedigree. And six to one for them. Anyone who hasn't seen the Ikanovic team play football, it really is good to watch, and they've got some cracking players in there as well. So I do agree with you. Before we move on lower down the table, um, I'm going to run through the odds for a top half finish, just in case there's anyone there who you think could be a bit vulnerable amongst the, the shorter price lot. We've got Everton at four to eleven, um, Leicester even money, Wolves 10, uh, 11 to ten. West Ham five to four, uh, Southampton fifteen to eight, Palace nine to four, Newcastle nine to four, Bournemouth five to two, Burnley seven to two, Fulham six to one, and then then, then the also around at the bottom. Anyone there who you think is a bit short in the market, maybe to a, bit, a bit of a lay on the markets.
1: I think you might be some value in Crystal Palace. I think Roy Hodgson did a very good job last season. Uh, obviously, they gave teams I think it was seven games head start before they started and end up still finishing eleventh. Uh, they've. As of now, still got Wilfred Zaha, which is huge. Um, And if they can sort out Christian Benteke, who last season scored uh, three goals, yet his expected goals was 10.5, if they can sort out his confidence, uh, then they've got a very good striker again. But I think they've they've signed well, and I think they'll be a a team who can push on this season.
2: I love a bit of expected goals. I really do. So do do I. Um, (laughs) I would say maybe... Newcastle could be worth a lay there it pains me to say it because it's a club I really like um, but I just think that actually there's a danger there that if if Rafa Benitez kind of if he were to leave or if he you know if things kind of don't go right um, that they'd be in real trouble I think he's probably crucial to that club um, might be in the last year of his contract if I remember right mm. um, so that there could be some value in that perhaps a lay on Newcastle for the for the top 10 but you know, as I said a team I like and I wouldn't like to see it
0: This is going to probably get me a bit of grief on social media but one team I want to get against is West Ham um, at about the 5-4 to four mark they're odds on in places to finish in the top half I just I mean this is still West Ham um, I know they've invested in the squad I know they've invested in the players I'm not convinced that Pellegrini is necessarily a fantastic um, appointment for a club in their situation I just think that The odds of around the money mark give them a fifty percent chance of finishing in the the top ten. They're not going to finish in the top six. There aren't many places up for grabs. We've already said we like Everton. We've said we like uh, Crystal Palace. We've said that we like um, Fulham. Yeah, I mean
1: that's a a massive, massive lay in my book. (laughs) Uh, I'd probably agree with you. I think West Ham have have, have made some some good signings. I think. Philippe Anderson, sorry, uh, is is a good signing. I think he completed six successful take ons per 19 Serie A last season, which was the most of any player, so he'll be exciting to watch. Um, but then they've still gone their West Ham way in signing Jack Wilshire and, yeah. and Yarmolenko, two players who haven't probably been at their peak for a good couple of years, so I wouldn't be surprised if West Ham. I don't think they'll get relegated or, or no. even struggle that much but I don't think they'll finish in the top half and you've also got
0: the, the issue of basically not really having a home ground which, which can't be because partic- I mean their form at the, the London Stadium is still fairly poor and it doesn't feel I don't know if you've been there but it doesn't feel like you're, you're at a home game even in the, in the, in the mm. West Ham fans
2: yeah I mean I went there for a friendly but uh, before the start last season um, so but I, I think you know maybe it's something that's changing over time it does take a while obviously I watched Arsenal you know move into the Emirates and Took a little bit of time, I suppose, and Tottenham will have a similar issue as well, of course, this season. Um, but I think I think you make a good point. Like Yarmolenko, is a guy, I used to like a, a few years ago, and perhaps doesn't quite sort of maintain the level you'd be looking for. Jack Wilshere, obviously a guy with huge talent, but it's a it, I'd say to be generous, it's a very open question as to whether he can really provide what a Premier League club needs, kind of week in, week out. Um, I do think they made some quite good signings, but yeah,
0: when you put it like that, George, not a good, not a bad shout to be honest. Good stuff. I'm glad you guys agree with me. Normally, it's someone telling me I'm wrong on this on, on, on this program. <laughs> You'll so be good. told that on Twitter. Yeah, actually. yeah. I can't wait for it. Um, if, if people are watching, um, relegation uh, now to the bottom end of the table, and uh, to run through the market, um, Cardiff are the about the same price as, as Manchester City are to win the league, uh, seven and ten. Uh, Huddersfield five to four. Watford are nine to four alongside oh, no, and Brighton three to one. Fulham seven and two. Burnley massive variance in their in their price. Um, one firm have them at two to one, but they are best price four to one. Bournemouth are five to one. Uh, the two pretty short favourites to go down. It it it's, doesn't look like the most open market, but maybe some juice there um, at bigger prices. Who who are you looking at, Adam, to to get relegated?
1: Uh, I would say Cardiff and Huddersfield. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> as as. As much as I'd like Huddersfield to stay up, because I really like what David Wagner's done, and I quite like him as a coach, I do think he's obviously working in a much more restricted budget than than most clubs in the Premier League, and Neil Warnock has proved himself to be excellent in the Championship, but then doesn't have the tactical nous, shall we say, in the Premier League. Um, And I think Cardiff, they've, they've spent not much money, but they've brought in players from the Championship, and... I'd be wary of them more preparing to go back down and then having a squad capable of getting back up, kind of like West Brom used to do. Um, and there is some merit in that, but I can't see them staying up, unfortunately. And then, and Huddersfield may join them. Um, and then I th- it's quite open, that third spot, I would say. So, yeah, I would um, go with the the odds.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it looks like Cardiff and Huddersfield then pick another, really, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, you know... I wouldn't say it's a sure thing and if I did it probably wouldn't happen right because that's how these things work <laughs> but you know it's football but um, Cardiff do look like a, a side that are going to head back down again you know there's the nil-warnock factor as Adam said doesn't really it they've strength, strengthened enough um, you know they do just look like a championship side and I mean they weren't the third best team in the championship were they I think probably so you know they're Kind of they were the
0: second in terms of, in, of the league itself. So. Sorry, yeah, but they yeah, weren't. Yeah. I think of those three that come
2: up, they yeah. weren't. They weren't even necessarily the, the second best side. They just kind of over overperformed. Um, you know Neil Warnock kind of really got the best out of them the championship, and then there is the, the kind of the Neil Warnock law, like he'll have the inverse of that in the Premier League, uh, and they already don't look like a side that's probably good enough. Uh, our chef at Smarkets, Alex, will be furious about this, but uh, I, I do think Cardiff look pretty pretty set to go back down again. Huddersfield, I think, are interesting. Um, you know, it was a remarkable job that Wagner did to, to keep them up. I think they probably got through on adrenaline a lot of the time, and there, there might be a kind of collective second season syndrome for them where that adrenaline's kind of gone. And uh, I think those two are heading down. And then, as Adam said, like pick another one. Perhaps, perhaps Watford. Uh, I think they're the favourites, aren't they, after those two? Yeah. With, with pretty much everybody. Maybe a bit of a shout for Southampton. You know, Mark Hughes looks kind of... 7-1 uh... to one now. Yeah, and it, I think it could have a kind of tricky situation at Southampton. Obviously, they nearly went down last time around. Uh, they lost Tadic, I believe. Yeah, some a uh, Have brought some players in. But, you know, I think there's possible value in Southampton.
0: Interesting. I mean, I... I Looking at the teams that came up last season, obviously all three of them stayed up. Um, so I, I just think that maybe Cardiff, although in, sh- in terms of sheer squad quality, they look miles behind everyone else, but they were so functional that maybe that could suit them. They don't have to change their style of play at all because all they did last season was sit back and try and um, score in the break. So I do wonder if maybe this could be the season that Warner gets to right. I mean, I've, I've backed Huddersfield to go down um, as much as I agree about Wagner. I think that um, it was... Their early season form when they were riding the crest of a wave that kept them up last season they faced Chelsea on day one if they suffer a big defeat there it could be a long old season for them although fingers crossed well not fingers crossed I've them to go down but um but yeah I know I agree uh and uh, yeah I, I think it's a really open market for that for the reason that I'm happy to leave um Cardiff and I just wonder if Burnley at four to one it doesn't seem the biggest price given the fact they finished seventh last mm. year but you know, statistically, Adam, they, they probably didn't deserve to finish there. Uh,
1: no, you can see you can see the logic in in, in backing Burnley because they're obviously going to have to dovetail the Europa League as well. Um, yeah, last season they defied pretty much any sort of statistical model you could find, um, which is a testament to Sean Dyche because it's not an uncommon thing that Burnley do this. And I know the people who are really, really into stats don't really understand Burnley. <laughs> um, I'm intrigued by the signing of Joe Hart because I think Sean Dyche may have created a problem for himself there when he didn't need to. Um, I think Tom Heaton is not going to be out for too long and then Nick Pope will be back at some point as well. And then you've got three very, you've got two very good goalkeepers and, and Joe Hart who's trying to rediscover his best form. So that will be an interesting situation. Um, I quite like the signing of Ben Gibson. I think he's perfect centre-back for Sean Dyche's team. Um, it'd just be interesting where the goals are going to come from and whether or not Ashley Barnes can keep up his incredible record from last season obviously
0: Matej Vidra has come in and rumours of a um, £1980 million bid for Jay Rodriguez the, the back to his old club mm-hmm. and it seems like a lot of money to be throwing around um, for a club like Burnley and obviously Ben Gibson was, was I think £15 million quid
1: yeah. as well I quite like Jay Rodriguez and it'd be nice for him to, to go back to Burnley um, is a player I know from, from my days covering Watford He is very good when he's hot and not very good when he's not. Um, he was good at Derby last season and hopefully for Burnley's sake he'll continue that in the Premier League. Um, I'm going to stick up for Watford because uh, because of my firstly local links but because I sort of know the club quite well. They they kind of do this every year where they look like they've not really strengthened that well. You've probably, you've got a, the classic Serie A defender who you've probably never heard of who's been brought in. But... Um, I think rumours today that they're trying to sign Paco Alcacer on loan from Barcelona which would be quite an interesting one because last season they did struggle for goals yeah. I think Dini only had five and Andre Gray only had five um, but they've signed Delafoe they've kept Decore and Javier Gracia has had a whole pre-season um, whether or not that will make a difference and whether or not he'll be sacked in, in January and Watford will pick up their usual sort of 10-15 points after that yeah. and be fine it remains to be seen but it is so hard picking that third one I could see logic in Southampton um, they've signed out with Eunice, uh who should provide some, some goals because that was a big issue last season. But I'm not entirely sure Mark Hughes is the right fit for Southampton. Uh, he was obviously perfect to keep them up, but whether or not he's a long-term investment there uh, is intriguing. It's
0: interesting that you both seem to be leaning on Southampton for that bit of value. And you've also agreed that Cardiff and Huddersfield are going to go down. So instead of backing just Southampton to get relegated at 7-1... to you can back the three of them to go down at fifties, so you're, you're you know you're, you're getting a much much bigger price there. Um, if you are happy to to, to think the two favourites are going to go down, you can back Sampson to follow them in at a much much bigger price. Anyone else you guys are fearing for before we go into the top goal scorer market?
1: Uh, I was thinking Brighton, but Chris Hughton's made some interesting signings. Mm. Um, there's Ali Ali Reza Jan Bushkash, I think it's how you pronounce it <laughs> yeah um, who did very well last season in the Adivisay. Uh top scorer wasn't he uh, definitely and um, he is an interesting player and it'd be interesting how he fits in a lot of his goals were quite uh, spectacular last season from long range so it'd be interesting to see if he uh, has that space to do the same but it, it's an in, it's an interesting for Brighton whether or not they can just get all these new signings and they're very varied and from different places to, to gel. And if they do, they'll probably be fine. But if they don't, then they may struggle.
0: Brighton are three to one to get relegated. Um, yeah, three to one it does seem a bit big. there, as short uh, elsewhere as two to one. So some people do agree with you, but some people take their neck out at threes done anything to add or should we go on to the first goal scorers
2: I just think in, in terms of the Watford thing you know they traditionally struggle right at the start of the season and then mm. kind of figure it out later so perhaps some value in kind of waiting until they're at their you know their best price and, yeah. then, and then backing them to stay up or, or laying them for relegation
0: always seem to have a topsy-turvy season um, Watford so we'll see how they get on uh, with Javi Gracia at the helm first goal scorer now oh, sorry top goal scorer now um, everyone's favourite one at the beginning of the season I think we've all had these crazy hackers going across all the leagues um, winning us a, a million quid it's weird how they never seem to come in. But uh, Harry Kane is the 130 favourite. Uh, Mohamed Salah, 28 to five. Uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, a bit of money for him in, in, in the last couple of days, seven to one. He is now Sergio Aguero, eight to one. Romelu Lukaku, ten to one. Gabriel Jesus, 14s. Lacazette, 25s. Firmino, 33s. Maratta 33s. We could go on. Alexis Sanchez, 40 to one. Mm. Um, yeah, Dan, I, a murmur of, of appreciation no, I, there. I had a thought so.
2: about the Alexis thing, but I'd, I'd like to talk about Aubameyang. I just think, okay. um, you know, obviously I'm a little bit biased perhaps, but, you know, he came into the league last season. He scored 10 goals in 13 Premier League appearances, which is a pretty good a pretty good rate. Um, but what's really interesting about him is his shot conversion. So, you know, in his lifetime in the Premier League, he scored 10 goals from 31 shots, 32% conversion rate. If you compare that to, to Kane last season, Kane was 16 so, you know, double. Uh, so he would only need to really, you know, even if he just stretched that across the rest of the season at a normal rate, he'd score 30 in the league if he maintained that. It's not likely he will, but, you know, you'd think that if he can up his shot volume, Aubameyang's a really good shot for top scorer in the Premier League. Um, Aguero's 22%. Salah was 22%. So, you know, at 32, uh, Aubameyang looks pretty astonishing in terms of his clinical um, nature in front of goal. I think there's very good value in Aubameyang. He may share some of the goals with Lacazette. So there's an argument that Lacazette represents very good value. I think he saw 25-26 on Smarkets. Um And, you know, there's an open question, of course, about who will play up front in the Arsenal system. It looks like Lacazette's going to probably start at number nine with Aubameyang coming from the left. Um, maybe in some games Aubameyang will be number nine, depending on the opposition. Uh, and Lacazette will step out of the team. But I think, you know, even from the left side, he did... Get, he pretty much played from the left wing or you know, kind of nominally on paper the left wing uh, for most of those games last season at Bamiyang and, and still managed to bang in 10 goals and 13. So, you know, I think he's a, a really good shot.
0: Yeah, so at Bamiyang, 7.4 runs markets, which is bigger than the general market price of 6-1 to one across. So make sure you do check the prices first.
2: Also with Kane, so I was just going to say, you know, this whole August thing, right? He's yeah, yeah,
0: He looks tired at
2: the World Cup, you know, he... he he seems like a guy who really pushes himself all the time you know always wants to be playing even when he's tired just had a baby the side. just had a baby which is tiring for anyone yeah. and, uh, and remarkable for a man of course yeah. <laughs> and um, and you know he's, he's coming back you know a little bit late from the World Cup and uh, just to know, clarify uh,
0: Harry Kane has not given birth he hasn't given birth <laughs> um, it, is, it is his wife so congratulations to the pair
2: yeah absolutely um, and he's coming back of course you know probably tired probably a little bit out of shape needing that break never scores in August apparently uh, so there might be some value there and kind of again like you know waiting for his price to kind of to stretch a bit and then and then laying on later perhaps you know
0: Harry okay, Kane 4.3 so that matches the, 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 the best price out there but it does mean if you're back on markets and it does uh, drift come in or drift out you can get in or out of your bet as it progresses Adam who are you looking at here
1: uh I would agree with Aubameyang. I think he's excellent value and just continue on the theme of him being excellent. Uh, His XG after coming to the Premier League last season was 6.37 and he obviously scored 10 goals, so he's outperformed that quite substantially. If he was to do that over the course of the season, you'd expect him to be up there. Um,
2: It's with sorry to cut you off, it's with a low shot volume as well, so if you can up that, you know, you think he's got a really good chance.
1: Uh, Mohamed Salah is interesting because he scored 1.58 goals for every one XG. uh, But in his previous season at Roma, it was only one goal for every 1.09 XG. So he massively outperformed last season. And whether or not he'll be able to keep that up will be interesting. Um, Just on Alvaro Morata, because he's had a lot of stick from a lot of places, including from Chelsea fans. Um, He hasn't looked great in pre-season. But uh, last year, he scored 11 goals from X13 XG. Uh, but the season before at Real Madrid, he scored 15 from 8xG. So it suggests that if he can rediscover his confidence, he will have a chance of actually contributing to Chelsea this season rather than sort of failing to perform as he did at the back end of last season. Um, personally, I would go Sergio Aguero, uh, mm. which isn't that outlandish. Well, no,
0: I think, I mean, a couple of things. Firstly, just on Morata, if you are going to Morata... Um, to win the top goal scorer, you have to do it with markets because markets are 44 when the best industry price is 33 to 1. So, this is one of those real occasions where betting on the exchange can really, really help you out.
2: There are many of those occasions. Many, many of them, and
0: this is one of them. Um, and then on Lukaku, sorry, not Lukaku, but we haven't mentioned him yet. On um, Aguero, on Aguero I, I, it's absolutely staggering that you think about the short price that City are to win the league you think about the fact that he's already shown in the community shield that he is fit and, and ready and raring yeah. to go he didn't have a very taxing summer whatsoever um, and he's 8-1 to one.
2: yeah I, I, I kind of almost forgot about Aguero as well and yeah. then was thinking about it and was like oh yeah of course you know, and, you know, he's got 21 goals from 94 shots so 22% conversion rate I think the question with him is you know, and obviously he's been there and done it before he's just got 200 goals for City hasn't he I, I think there's a very strong argument that he's the greatest striker in terms of goal goalscoring the Premier League has ever seen uh, but nonetheless it's the, it's the fitness thing isn't it you know, will yeah. he be fit throughout the season will he be able to play every game I think if he does he probably is top scorer but you know, in terms of what the prices are looking like in the market maybe, maybe some of those prices are swayed by the fact that you've got these two big headline strikers you know, Kane and Salah who both got 30 and 32 goals and people look at the 21 return from Agüero and just think, you know, that's a long way off. And can he actually bridge that gap
0: next yeah. season, assuming I'm, that came Agüero to
1: Casalamento? No, no. Go Obviously, Pep Guardiola does have Gabriel Jesus as well. Mm. And
0: does not feel like yeah. like Jesus' stock has fallen a bit in the last kind of six, eight months. A very, very poor World Cup, and he didn't really stake it's his claim quite that young, much. Though, last isn't season. He? Yeah, absolutely. But I think this time last year, we were looking at thinking last season was going to be the season where he yeah. overtook Agüero, and now, if anything, they're further apart. He had a knee
2: injury, didn't he? Had quite mm. a bad injury yeah. when he first arrived. I think, you know. Sorry to cut you off, Adam, but I just was going to say that I think it, people will look at Aguero and think this is the guy who will get rotated. He will mm. he will be sitting out when when there's an opportunity to do so.
1: I think that is probably why he's, he's not probably you know odds favourite to do it. But at the same point, if he does play 25, 30 games, you'd back him to score at least 25 goals. Yeah. So for my money, he'd be the person to go with. Although I can see a lot of logic in Aubameyang.
0: Four, uh, four places in the quarter of the odds for that eight to one. Uh, I don't know how long that will be there, but have a look on the odds checker site and you'll see it there. Before we wrap up this preview, Adam, I know that you it would be wrong to do it without finishing with a stat, and I don't know what it is, but I've been told that you've got a fantastic stat about Manchester United, a team that, unsurprisingly, we haven't heard much about when talking about top goal scorers.
1: Yeah, so this is a, a stat from last season, which you know astounded a lot of the, the stats guys, and. It's probably a bit concerning for your main United fan that you haven't signed uh, a central defender as yet although Toby Alderweireld may arrive but uh, last season Manchester United's xg against was 44.4 which was the 6th worst in the league yet they conceded just 28 goals which is a largely a mark of how incredible David de Hare is that he essentially saved Man United 16 goals.
0: And do we expect them to do it again with him and, with him in goal?
1: Uh, I can't see as <laughs> I can't see it being that sustainable. I'm sure he will continue to pull off uh, the incredible on a nearly weekly basis, but it's just uh, it's too freakish to continue. He does he season. does often
2: kind of keep up a similar kind of delta between the two. But mm. if you compare that to other goalkeepers, I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the other top goalkeepers are nowhere near. Some of them, in fact, kind of underperform. Yeah, and you know he's just he outperforms at the xG so so much that he's, he's an extraordinary asset You think he's been there since 2011 i would completely yeah. forgotten and I read that the other day and you just forget how long they've had this amazing mm. goalkeeper
0: so there you have it it is David De Gea who is the saviour of Manchester United and we'll see if next season he can continue to do so I think we're very positive about Manchester City about Liverpool at time to be concerned if you are a Cardiff or Huddersfield fan and Pierre Emerick Aubameyang and Sergio Aguero are the Valley for top goal scorers. Thanks very much to Adam and Dan for coming here. Make sure that you check out Football Whispers and SmartKits for all your football info, if you're betting for SmartKits, for your stats for Football Whispers, and obviously check OddsChecker to make sure you're winning the most for your bets. Uh, Subscribe to our YouTube channel to make sure you're getting all of our video previews and all of our tips for anywhere else. But most importantly, enjoy the Premier League campaign starting on Friday.